Welcome to the Corporate Catholic Podcast, where we inspire the joyful hustle by integrating your relationship with God into the nine to five. Join us as we flip the script on faith and work. We hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode. We're very excited to have our very good friend Eric joining us this week. You are our, like, 50th male guest at this point. (laughs) I was going to start a timer how long until they mentioned that I'm a male (laughs) guest. I forgot. I should have. It would have been five seconds. Everyone's bringing it up. Everyone's like, what's with all the male guests? Everyone's like, the females are feeling like it's time for a change. But we're not going to give you any more female guests until season three. So, sorry about that. It's our last guest for the season. It's best for last, right, I didn't even know that. What an honor. Thank you. So, yeah, because next week is going to be our last episode of season three. Too, as we round out we're kind of going on like a school year schedule so mm-hmm. it's the end of the school year yeah it's and may yeah Isn't that crazy yeah oh i can't believe it i know and already like a decent way through mary's month so yeah. and already season two is way longer than season one yeah i think we we just had 12 episodes for season one so this will be episode 15 so we'll mm-hmm. have 16 total for season two. So it's yeah. been a great 14 so far. Hopefully 15 is also good. Yeah, <laughs> Eric. Well, Eric was like, and I said this is the last episode. Like your mouth was. Like, I had no dropped. idea. <laughs> you is, were shocked. I know. You just dropped this bomb on me. Wow. What am I gonna do on my to- Tuesdays now? <laughs> we didn't want to tell you ahead of time. We didn't want you to be nervous. So well, yeah. Eric was like. Yeah, I'm, like, not really free, like, any day in May except for this one. And I was like, well, we gotta season do two's ending, <laughs> so we got to do this one. But I didn't tell you that. Yeah, no. Well, here we I was are. Like, that date would work great. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so last week, we briefly mentioned this encyclical called Rerum Navarum. And we learned about this from Eric, who was, like, there's this great encyclical out there about work and the church's view on work. And he's like, I've read it. It has some great things in it that just give a good perspective on, you know, how, what the church teaches about work. And um, so we brought Eric on to talk more about it because he's very passionate about it. Brought a whole binder with notes. Color-coded so, Color-coded. Color yeah. That's just the way I am. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love stay it. organized. So he has lots of thoughts, and we're just really excited to have you on. So, Eric, you. you know, give the people a little background, you know, where you grew up, what you do, what's mm-hmm. going on with you. Yeah, sure. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Like I said, um, I'm from central Illinois. Originally, I went to the University of Illinois and was lucky enough to go to Catholic grade school and high school. And then at U of I, I actually lived at their Newman Center, um, which is great. And I got my master's in human resources and industrial relations from the University of Illinois too. And so I work in HR uh, in the manufacturing industry. So I moved around a little bit with my company, but I've been in the Chicago area since January of last year. Yeah. It's been great. And what's your faith background, too? Like, when did Mm -hmm. faith start becoming important to you? 
Yeah, good question. I think that my faith has always been important to me. Like I said, went to a great Catholic grade school and high school, actually the same Catholic high school that my parents went to and grandpa, and so I'm very thankful to, to them to send me through there. Um, and we were, meant, we were talking about it a little bit, but I think my high school has a very good theology program. Um, one of my very best friends from high school is going to be a priest in three weeks, God willing. Um, and wow. he, yeah, through that, through that high school as well. Um, so that kind of him entering the seminary made me like, whoa, someone that I really look up to and l- like so much, you know, my best friend, he's very serious about this. Like I should make sure to take it seriously as well. Um, and then also just in college, a lot of people use that time to like examine their faith too. And so I kind of was like, okay, if this is true, if Catholicism is true, I should commit myself to it. And so kind of, kind of dove deep into exploring that and came to the conclusion that it is true and I should commit myself fully to it. And so here we are now. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been great in Chicago also just having such a great Catholic community. Um, and many of my friends I've met through church and I've really loved that a lot too. Yeah. And that's actually how we met Eric too. Yes. Through our alpha group. Eric was the helper. Helper, leader, whatever you want to call me. The helper. I yeah, you were you like a big deal I definitely about just that. think you were second. Yeah. I think that's important to note. There yeah. was a first, yeah, and it wasn't was. you. Yeah. You were the helper. Mm-hmm. Well, because how, I mean, for people that aren't familiar, so Alpha is a group that Claire and I did, and we've talked about it before on the podcast. Well, it's like a group that's worldwide, basically, yeah. that people enter for all different reasons yeah you should give a good background for people that don't know because Mm -hmm. this could be something that people might want to yeah for yeah Yeah. so alpha is like Claire and Allison said it's a very kind of a intro level uh series or program into Christianity and it's produced by a non-Catholic group um but they don't really get into the specifics of different denominations they make no assumptions about the people that are attending so if somebody has never heard of christ before this is a great way for them to kind of learn and explore what faith is um the, what scripture is what prayer is things like that and it's uh it's a normally 10 to 12 weeks and we met once a week and yeah so i i helped lead the group <laughs> that claire and allison uh, we're in through my church, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like any if people should look in their area and see if anyone is doing it. Um, like we said, it's not specifically a Catholic group, but we did it through a Catholic church. So it mm-hmm. the discussion was more Catholic-based because of that ended up being. Um, and I mean, it is more basic level. So that's good for some people mm-hmm. who are at that level. And then, at least for me... I was like, well, I feel like I know a decent amount of what was spoken about, but it was really interesting to hear other people's opinions and like what they're thinking. And just, I liked hearing that part about it. So the Mm -hmm. group discussion was really great. Yeah. Not to turn this into too much of an alpha plug, if that's even possible, but, uh, I've, 
I've had non-Christian, I've had atheists in my group before, and it's just kind of cool for them to have a space where they can raise their questions and kind of hear different perspectives. And, and I feel the same way. Yeah, definitely. And because it's hard to have those types of conversations after college, it seems like. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I went to Catholic grade school, high school, all of that. And obviously those discussions were kind of built into theology. But you leave school and you're like, I don't know. It'd been a while since I'd had those types of conversations with people. So um, it was a cool way to kind of bring those back and just kind of think deeper and like bigger picture. So, yeah. Or if someone brings up a point too, and you're like, what, you know, why do Catholics believe this? And you're kind of like, yeah, let me remind myself too, because it's Mm -hmm. sometimes it's just something that I haven't, I'm like, yeah, I believe it, but I, don't really remember the origin of why or that mm. type of thing. So it helped me to mm. look back and learn yeah. that too. Yeah. And we got to meet each other too. So that was yeah, great yeah. as well. Lots of good friends. Yeah. So yes. that was awesome. Yeah. Love yeah. that. Yeah. So as Claire mentioned, we're going to kind of dive into the rerum Navarum in this episode. But before we do that... <laughs> You guys are nailing the pronunciation. Okay, good. Oh, okay. Yeah. We practiced about a million times before no. this Allison <laughs> said dive because Allison told me I'm not allowed to say that word, so. What? <laughs> like, I don't know. Sometimes we just say it too much. I feel like season let's dive one, into this. dive let's, a lot. So yeah. Allison outlawed it for season two, but then you just said it, so. <laughs> All right, well, I haven't noticed that as a listener, but now I'm sure I will. The reason I noticed it was because my mom pointed it out, and she's like, you guys should say that less, so. (laughs) So, Mom, if you're listening, it's because of you. (laughs) Now Allison yells at me every time I say (laughs) All right, so before we get into all of that, I want to ask Eric some questions about just kind of his career and how he ended up in human resources so yeah what kind of sparked your interest in that career path is that something that you always knew you wanted to do or when did you kind of make that decision yeah so I when I was a freshman I was undeclared in terms of what major I was and I hated being undeclared it caused me a lot of stress Um, so I, I literally sat down with a list of like every major every college every program offered at U of I and I discovered this master's program that they have in human resources and industrial relations and I kind of I'm like oh what what is that I kind of looked into that and in in the meantime I had a part-time job on campus where I was calling alumni and raising money for the university and that was a good job for me because like I'm a huge U of I fan I got to contribute to something that I'm passionate about by raising money and as you can imagine from calling alumni I got to deal with some people who were also shared my passion and got to talk about some great times they had at U of I but also people that were upset for whatever reason that I was calling them at dinner time and I enjoyed kind of helping manage those emotions a little bit uh, turning those positive emotions into results in this case donations and then additionally kind of uh, dealing people when they're very, very upset for probably no good reason. Um, and so I was like, whoa, this is a skill set that I'm learning that could apply to this um, career path through this major that I found, or this master's program that I found at U of I. Uh, and so I was lucky enough to be enrolled in that and 
another thing that I discovered that I enjoy about HR is that I get to advocate for employees if I think that something unfair is going on um, and by the employee, employee, other employees, the manager, the employer, um, and at the same time, I get to, you know, push back if an employee is is being unfair or unreasonable. So I kind of get to practice a little bit of uh, using my best judgment about what's right and wrong, and I've really enjoyed that. That's very important to me, um, and so those are two reasons that I really enjoy HR. That's interesting because when you were saying that, I was like, oh, my gosh, people on the phone, that is the last <laughs> thing I would want to do. Like confrontation, I would run away from that. So, yeah, it's definitely something that you kind of have to learn a little bit. And at the start, it was tough for sure. So, but yeah. Is it ever interesting? Like, I don't know. I just remember those ethical dilemmas where like they would test you on them kind of in school and things and it would be like two good things or two bad things and you kind of had to choose and I guess my faith would be like the thing that I would kind of default to of like thinking more about you know what Jesus would do or something like that but in the context of work I mean are can you think that way because there are also like rules and laws yeah that you might have to default to and that type of scenario yeah look luckily most of the things i come across really aren't that complicated it's yeah. like so and so lied about this or that okay well that's it we look into see if that's actually what happened or not and then we take actions if if that did happen but in terms of kind of having like a what would Jesus do mentality, I like to think that informs every decision I make uh, all the time. And, you know, Christ would want me to follow the laws or have my organization follow the laws that they're uh, obligated to follow. And in terms of like, oh, do I have to leave my Christianity at the door when I go into work? I don't think so. I you know, like I said, it informs everything that I do. So that would be very dishonest of me to do that. And yeah, I kind of get to enjoy being able to advocate for what I think is right through my job. Yeah. And then I guess this is more of just me being curious. What's a typical day in your life like, or maybe for people that are interested in HR or, I mean, are you having these kinds of conversations with people on a daily basis, a weekly basis, or like, what does your day or week look like? Yeah, I am lucky where I work in a, for a highly ethical company. And, you know, I've been in settings that were, had some contentious uh, scenarios before, but it's not really an everyday thing. So my my title in HR, you could say like I'm a business partner, I'm a generalist, so I get to do really a lot of different areas of HR and I support an employee's total life cycle at my company where I'll set up, I'll work with recruiters to set up interviews and fill roles, I'll onboard employees, I'll work through performance management, you know, annual goals, um, tracking their progress and things like that. If disciplinary stuff comes up, I'm certainly involved. Um, I wouldn't say it's a huge part of my job now in the setting that I'm in now, which is great, but I know 
some of my colleagues at, at different companies that it might be a huge part of their job. Um, and then I'll work with like offboarding folks, um, any type of turnover data, you know, things like that too. So typical day changes all the time, I guess. What a consulting answer. Are you sure you're not consulting? Oh yeah. my gosh. <laughs> well, it's interesting because even at our company right now, I think we've been hearing a lot from HR because we're going through a new, what is it called? Like, like a new system. Yeah, we're getting a new system. to Im- or They're system. implementing a new system for all our internal HR stuff. So mm. we've been hearing a lot from the HR team. So that's good. they've been busy at our that's, company. Yeah. For that's sure. They even got like a... Um, What's the call when someone you can buy like a feature from a celebrity? Cameo. Oh, cameo. cameo. They got from a cameo from the office, the guy that dropped Kevin. The show Kevin. Kevin from the office. Do you ever feel like Toby from the office? Oh wow. Classic classic <laughs> question. Um, do I ever feel like Toby from the office? I don't think so. I'm not sure what he feels like. Like he everyone hates hated? Me? Feels yeah. hated. Yeah. No, I don't feel that way. There are times where I've had to make tough decisions before that were probably unpopular, but I mean, like I said, you got to do what's best, whether or not it's popular. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's dive into this document because I'm really excited to get, to get into it. Uh, what just got you interested in this topic or this document in particular? I know you talked a little bit about it. But yeah, like, why is it stuck with you? And like, why is this something that you're excited to talk about? Yeah, well... And maybe some background sure. of the document, too. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I probably read pieces of it in high school, like through theology class. And then I think I read it in college just for myself. Um, but when you guys, you know, months ago talked about this podcast with me and this is the first thing I thought of because it's literally a cath a a cath a, a pope's letter subtitled on capital and labor so like on work basically and so I'm like oh well, that's a corporate catholic that's a perfect uh match up there but wait sorry so rerum navarum means on capital and labor so that or? on capital and labor is like the subtitle okay. under rerum navarum which rerum navarum means on new things technically okay. it's often translated as like revolutionary change because when this was written in 1891 the world was really changing a lot specifically like economics was really changing a lot through the uh, you know, the Industrial Revolution in the previous decades. Um, and, yeah, just a lot was going on. There's new technology. Um, factories were coming up. Uh, like, Marxism was kind of on a, the rise. But within these factories, there were really poor working condition conditions going on. Um, and there was really a dramatic difference between the few folks that owned the the land, the factories, the machinery, and the the many folks that operated that are worked on that land, operated those machineries. So this has resulted in a very significant uh, difference in livelihood between the two groups. So there was also development of a bunch of new products. Um, so a lot of changes are going on. Leo the Thirteenth, the Pope at the time noticed these changes and wrote 
rerum rerum as the church's reaction to the changes. So it's relevant today still and provides a lot of insights on the, the rights and duties that employees and employers have. But the opening paragraph to the document is basically just three sentences saying that the world has been changing, here's how it's been changing, and kind of alludes to those things I just mentioned, and then basically like everybody's talking about it. So <laughs> those are that's uh, a little bit of the background on the document itself. And for those who don't know, like an encyclical is just a letter from the Pope addressed to the church. And so this one, it was... I think Leo the Thirteenth wrote like ninety of them, so this is one of his. Francis has written three so far, I believe. And if you think this one is long, Claire, you should <laughs> you should read some of Francis's because those are book length documents, oh and this is. I was complaining. It's yeah. probably why he only has three. Yeah, <laughs> they're books. Yeah, yeah. Like this one, I encourage everyone to read it. You could read it in a weekend, whereas. Yeah. Some others might take you two weeks to get through. So so they can just kind of write these whenever they want, whenever they feel called to? Yeah. It's funny. Some of them that Leo Thirteenth wrote are super specific. Like, I haven't read any of them, but they're like, the social conditions in Belgium. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Must, something must have been going on in Belgium. But it's, like, very specific. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, like, this one is relevant to changes that were going on in the whole world. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they can write them whenever they want. I'm sure there's some sort of approval process, hopefully, but, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, that makes sense. And then you said that you started reading this in high school, but then when did it kind of pop back up? I think I was talking to my friend who is a seminarian now about in— this was shortly after college— I had I was working in a, a unionized work environment, so I most of the staff I supported from an HR perspective were represented by a union. And I was just talking to him about that, and he was like, "Oh yeah, you should you should reread this document. You know, it's it certainly talks about those things." So um, kind of popped up through that. Okay, so that's a little bit of background about the document, kind of why we're talking about it today. So, yeah, I know, Eric, you've got a lot of notes here, a lot of points, things that have stood out to you. So, yeah, what have what are some of your main takeaways from the document, things that you think are relevant? And, yeah, we can kind of talk through some of those. Yeah, so I think... There are three main themes, at least that I've identified, maybe more, um, of Rerum Navarum. One is the dignity of the human person. Two is the rights and the duties of both employers and employees. And then three is the roles of institutions, such as the state or the family or our unions. So the document addresses these three different themes as they kind of apply to the world in general and it's not that this is the first time that a pope has written about social matters before but it's still considered the basis of catholic social teaching which could be its whole other episode is a whole big thing um just because new writings or future encyclicals build off the teachings in rerum Navarum, um okay. and, and some of those themes that i just mentioned 
Uh, and, and there's certainly some overlap between the three themes I mentioned. So for example, role of an institution might be the government allow, has some law that you know an employer is obligated to follow, so that would be the second theme, and it protects the dignity of the human person, so that would be the first theme. So it kind of certainly have some overlap between the three, but the first one, you know, dignity of the human person, they talk a lot about working conditions at the time, misuse of people as just means to an end. Um, they It goes in depth about rejecting communism as each person has a right to private property and owning private property. They talk about child labor in this document. Theme two with the rights and duties of employees and employers. So there's like an, an employee is obligated to perform the work that they've agreed to perform uh, and don't cause outrage, don't deal with men of evil purpose is what they put it as, which who knows entirely what that means. But, um, you know, if, if you're in a union, appoint those leaders carefully. Uh, and then an employer's duties would be obviously respect the person, give a fair wage, allow for time off. They actually specifically call for time off for religious duties and like going to mass on Sunday. So, uh, and then the, the third theme, the role of institutions, Leo Thirteenth talks about the family quite a bit as sort of the foundation of society and how changes in work or work can impact that and how the needs for stability is, is certainly something that the family has. And then they talk about the state, so the state the government being obligated to protect workers, protect the common good. And then also talks about unions and recognizes their ability to protect workers as long as they're well managed. So that's a very quick overview of the three different themes. And yeah, you could probably see how there'd be some overlap between the three. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious in terms of, I don't know if you know a whole lot about the historical context of when this came out, but mm-hmm. I mean, was this groundbreaking or was this, like did a lot of people agree with what was being said in this or like, do you know anything about that? Yeah, so it's interesting that I think um, the Communist Manif- Manifesto was written like 40 years prior and Leo Thirteenth agree- and the same reason that this is really written, to address some of these issues, the disparity between the working class and the non-working class. The, um, and so Leo Thirteenth agrees a lot of what the Communist Manifesto says about these are big problems that we need to confront. Now, he greatly disagrees with the solution that's provided. Um, so I wouldn't say that these are like crazy new ideas um, necessarily, but because everyone kind of recognizes a lot of these issues already. Um, but I think Leo Thirteenth really put uh, the responsibility on the church or, or just Christians in general to be like, okay, you need to prioritize these things. I suppose. And then the implication of the document down the line with the Catholic social teaching is, is huge as well. I was wondering if you could go back to like the first thing of dignity of the human person. And I thought it would be interesting to discuss between us because it talks a lot about working conditions. And obviously those are very, those are mostly physical working conditions, I'm mm. assuming. 
and a lot of those issues in the United States, thankfully, are, you know, not as prevalent now, like a lot of laws and things have been put in place. So there aren't a lot of physical, as many physical, like working conditions that are Mm -hmm. being too hard on people. But a lot of people here obviously work from their computer all day and there's a lot of mental health conditions that have been brought up with COVID and all of that. And I don't know, I was just thinking like, if you think this document could apply in that way too. Yeah. I think that's a good question because when you read it, it's, you know, translated from Latin. It was written in the end of the 1800s. It's like, Oh, this is just history and that's all it is. But I definitely think there are a ton of principles that we can apply today. So, um, the dignity of the human person, like you said, I think, Something that we can fall into today is not treating our coworkers with the respect, kindness, empathy that they deserve. So something that I try to get better at or I'm trying to do is default to giving people the benefit of the doubt. If somebody makes a mistake on a presentation, if somebody uh, sends me the wrong file, how quick I can react and be like, oh, how could they do that? You know, like it's such an easy thing. I can't believe they made a mistake. I should, and I'm trying to, and I I like to think that I'm improving in giving people the benefit of the doubt. It's like, how many times have I made that same mistake? Uh, So that's an example of where we can just act with a little bit more empathy in the workplace. And then taking a, a real interest in your coworkers' lives. You know, work is not the definition of anybody. And so it's taking an interest in that and and not just seeing folks as a means to an end. Um, How often in HR, people will just call me by my job title sometimes. Like, oh, HR is here. Uh, Mm. And it's like, hey, don't just treat me like a means to an end. Treat me like a person that deserves respect. And at the same time, myself, like, oh, I'm waiting on payroll i'm waiting on a recruiter to do something that's all they are to me is just send me this candidate give me this thing like that's something that that's interesting yeah i can fall into is treating my coworkers just a means to an end i totally do that yeah like i'll be like oh like we're waiting for legal to review or like i don't know you know what i mean Mm -hmm. yeah i will do that for sure and it's easier to do that when it's a department and yeah. not a person, but like you were saying, actually realizing that there's people behind that and it's not just... And and, and people, like, will have specific things that they're like, oh, you know, specifically, like, legal or something. Like, legal's taking forever again, you know? <laughs> like, oh, everyone rolls their eyes and everyone's like, typical, you yeah. know? Like, I don't know. And then yeah. just, like, make that whole group an assumption. Right. And like, like a stereotype. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. And that's an opportunity where we can give them the benefit of the doubt. Or it's like, hey, maybe this group is taking a long time because it's an important work that they're doing. Yeah. And like they should mine's not time. actually that important. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if they make a mistake, then the consequences yeah. are a lot probably worse Especially than with ours. legal yeah. or something. Yeah, they exactly. like have everything they do is so important. Could get sued. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's a great point. No, yeah, I like what you said about giving people the benefit of the doubt because that, I, yeah, I can't tell you how many times, like, 
someone's joined a meeting late and I'm like, oh, they're not respecting my time. Like, and then they join and then there's like such a valid excuse. And it's like, why did I get so <laughs> angry about like them being late when like life happens and yeah. you know, stuff comes up. So yeah, I really like that. Yeah. So what about maybe the mental health application of when you talk about the dignity of the human person, do you mm-hmm. think that mental health applies in, from this document? Yeah, I think that doing those things, you know, giving people the benefit of the doubt, treating people with empathy is what we're called to do to confront the the very real challenge that uh, many people face with mental health. And so this document talks, you know, or, or in the in the late 1800s when this document was written, kids were working in very unsafe factories. Thank goodness we don't have that today. But what we have today is folks who have been working 75 hours a week, who are burnt out, who have eye damage later in life from staring at a computer screen, you know, things like that. So we should definitely confront those things and we can look to the principles of Rerum Navarum to help us understand what to do to confront those things. Um, so perhaps that, what you said, mental health, perhaps that's the working condition of today that we have to deal with. And as employees, as coworkers, we can take those steps that I mentioned to kind of confront them ourselves, hopefully. Yeah, because I think giving people the benefit of the doubt is, would be like beneficial for other people's mental health. One, your own, because you're not letting work affect you as much so you're like it's more of you're detaching yourself from work a little bit which benefits your own mental health and then two giving the other person the benefit of the doubt allows them to feel like they can do what they need to do and not suffer consequences at work I guess Mm -hmm. you know what I mean yeah like they can make a mistake and it's okay or like they can be late and not feel so stressed out about it because Allison's gonna get mad, or you know what I mean? <laughs> Classic me, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I think times that I can remember where I've made a mistake or I've been a little bit late on turning something in maybe or, or something like that, and I've been super nervous about it, and then I just get the, the response of like, oh, life happens, or like, okay, thanks. Like, yeah, this is, no problem on the late thing. It's like I was stressing so much about something that in the grand scheme of things isn't going to have a huge impact probably. So, you know, I've seen that done to myself and I hope that I can return the favor to others too. Yeah. And I kind of like the parallel you two were drawing about, you know, how the document talks a lot about physical labor and how that doesn't maybe apply as much today. Whereas, you know, working 75 hours a week is kind of more relevant now. So I'm curious if there are other kind of modern day topics or themes that kind of came to mind as you were reading this that maybe you were like, oh, maybe when this document was written, this doesn't apply as much, but it made me think of this that the world is going through right now or that workers are experiencing right now. Yeah, we've kind of talked about some of them, but in general, just... You know the importance of acting ethically uh and it kind of sounds like 
a gray subject. Like, what does that actually mean? But doing what is right when, when no one else is looking or even when there's a benefit to doing wrong, that's what I would define as acting ethically. So look out for each other in the workplace and, and say something if a situation seems off, even if that means putting your own career at risk, if your own job at risk. You know, there are some things that are more important than that. Um, and then be transparent and accountable. So reject any supposed value that I've heard comes from like a cutthroat culture. If somebody has described their workplace as a cutthroat culture, that's probably not a great thing. You know, if that means like, oh, there's only certain number of jobs available and they trim the bottom performers every so often or you know on a regular basis that can be that can lead that isn't in itself dehumanizing i think but it can lead to behavior that is really unhealthy um where it's better for you if others do poorly at their job Mm -hmm. so um i think that is a an implication that we can be aware of just being generally social socially responsible um so use your skills, your wealth, your time to benefit society as a whole. Take care of your family. There's a big emphasis in this document on taking care of the poor. So making sure that you're doing that. Um, that's something that we are still called to do today. And then, like we've kind of alluded to, there's been a huge improvement in working conditions uh, from 1891. Thank goodness. And so educate yourself on the laws and the rights that you have as an employee now that Leo the 13th would be thrilled about. You know, there, there's a ton of safety laws, um, protected leave from your job. Uh, you know, if someone's laid off, they have rights. You know, there's, if, if you invest in a 401k or if your employer provides pension, retirement, there's a lot of different information out there. So just Take some time to educate yourself on the rights that you have as an employee, too. So those are some of the principles that I think you can find in Rerum Navarum applied to today. Yeah, that's a great point. It made me think of just this past week, I attended this meeting from our company, and it was put on by, like, we have a wellness committee. And they mentioned, like, some of the resources that our company offers, and One of them was like, you can set up sessions with a financial planner for free and you get like a certain number of sessions. That's nice. And like, it was just something that I was like, oh, I had no idea that that benefit existed, but like our company pays for that to help us. And I just wasn't even aware that that existed. But, you know, we've talked a lot about finances on the podcast and I'm like, that's something I want to plan more for and like think about more personally. And so I think you know i don't know what kind of benefits your company offers but like just taking the time to even explore that more because i think there could be so many things that maybe you aren't aware of or things that may pertain to like things that you could be struggling with right now or like questions you have or things like that and just taking the time to explore those things you could find the answers that you're looking for so yeah speaking of other things that you, you've talked on the podcast before about whether that be financial thing, but there's a quote in paragraph 22 for those following along at home uh, of Rerum Navarum uh, that made me think 
of you guys and your and your podcast because you've talked about before how you know there's nothing wrong with having career ambitions and there's nothing wrong with wanting to you know build up your own wealth so you can take care of your, yourself and those around you and there's a quote in the document that says that they quote a, Thomas Aquinas here they say it is lawful for a man to hold private property and it's necessary for the carrying out of human existence but if the question be asked how must one's possessions be used the church replies without hesitations uh, or without hesitation in the words of Thomas Aquinas man should not consider his material possession as his own but as a common to all so as to share them without hesitation when others are in need so there's a huge emphasis in this document in on, on charity on charitable giving um, and 100% you know the document would agree with what you guys have said about having material wealth I suppose or, or career ambitions um, but we also have to think about how we use that and I think um, that's something that the church in this document really expressed the need to give to the poor and um, yeah it's something that we can still do today mm-hmm. I I don't know I just was, was thinking about everything you've been saying and I don't I think some I don't know the saint and I'm gonna butcher this but basically someone said that you know we've just forgotten that we belong to each other mm. and I've really been thinking about that because then I also saw this TikTok about <laughs> not to bring everything to TikTok. This is like the second week we've talked about TikTok, but oh well. Um, clearly lens over because I'm back on TikTok. Yeah, and <laughs> I've been getting a lot of TikToks from Claire. But this one was really good. It was just this Italian person, and he lives in the United States, and um, he was just talking about how a lot of people in the United States like will talk to him about like how privileged he is about like his family and how because they're very close and that they all take care of each other and that's and he was like I appreciate those sentiments but that is just Italian culture of like that is what you do you take care of your family like you you help your neighbors when they need something and I was just thinking about how much that has at least living in a city and like living yeah, I just feel like that's been like lost. Like I'm like I don't even know. I know a couple of my neighbors on my floor, but like I don't know all of my neighbors on my floor. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. I don't take care of people in that way. Like we don't rely on each other. Like we rely on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I just really feel like this document and what you've been saying is just a lot of a community aspect. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like day to day. Like, we look to our church to provide that community sense, or we look to work, but it's like, okay, every interaction we have should be, like, community-based, I guess, and I feel like my community actions are more siloed instead of it being, like, every action that I do, if that makes sense. Like, my doorman should be, like, a part of my community, like, my, you know what I mean? Like, every person. Yeah, it's so easy to pick and choose where you want to yeah, embrace I community, have community, because, I mean... It's easy to take care of your friends and take care of the people that you know or your coworkers or whatever, but yeah, the people that you just pass on the street or even just like live in the building that you see, like 
it's easy to disconnect and pick and choose when you want to be quote unquote a good person or you know go out of your way to be there for someone like so. when I want to have community today or like yeah. when I want to do that versus it seemed like I've never been to Italy but it seemed like Italian culture it was like my community is almost like a space like anyone in Chicago would be my community so yeah. therefore everyone here belongs to me like I have a part in this you know what I mean yeah I think this document has pretty clear criticisms of socialism and then at the same time it has really it has strong criticisms of like uh unrestricted individualistic capitalism where it's just you against the world type of thing and um I think that's what you're kind of alluding to a little bit where there are there are some people who maybe in in a family role you know it's you have to take care of your children uh and that's natural to all of us and then at this but expand that out you know we should look out for our neighbors we should look out for others in our lives and they should look out for us too and i think there's a there's a translation of Rerum Navarum that has a quote that I really, really like, and it's, once the demands of necessity and propriety have been met, the rest that one owns belongs to the poor. So once I have necessity and, which you know, being able to house myself, feed myself, and enough to prosper, so that can be a little bit... Uh, a little bit more gray but once that those needs have been met that of which i own belongs to the poor it's like whoa that's quite uh quite a demand and it's something that i know i can work better on but it's just a a great way for us to look out for others in our community okay so i feel like we really touched on a lot of different areas we talked about you know the three different themes talked about some different ways to apply this document but and I think this is just a good exercise I feel like I don't know I've been wanting us to dive deeper sometimes into specific kind of like Catholic social teaching and Mm -hmm. this is kind of the first time we're doing it Mm -hmm. um you know so feel free to give feedback or like (laughs) suggestions or anything about how we went about this. Well, yeah, I was going to say, maybe actually, like, while we have Eric here, like, he has more experience than, I think, both of us in reading this type of stuff. And, like, I'll be honest, I read most of it. I didn't read the entire thing. But, you know, there were parts that I kind of struggled to get through just because, you know, it was written in 1891. It's, you know, different times now. Like, do you have any advice or like how do you approach reading documents like this do you look to other resources to help dissect what the meaning is or how do you kind of reach these conclusions yeah i i there are so many resources out there in the catholic world about documents like this like you know when i first read this i'm sure i watched videos on it and um, use that to kind of understand exactly what's being said because 
I, I definitely think it's important to read these things and have an understanding of them and, and there's value in that because this is what the church is saying she believes on certain things and so you can read this document and learn oh the church as we know as the three of us know and others know the church says that work is a good thing this is a part of our lives um but there are certain things to be aware of in the working world too where it's not all sunshine and rainbows where we have to be aware of things that can go bad in the workplace um whether that be in in 1891 or today and we kind of have to be wary of that and some solution there's some solutions out that have been proposed that are good and and some that aren't um and so just working through that the, the church cares about these things and they apply to all of us as working individuals and so that's kind of what i've enjoyed about reading this um it's like, oh, wow, the church, this huge organization has comments on the working world. And while sometimes I read it and it might be a little bit confusing, she is thinking about and has comments on the things that I go through uh, mm-hmm. every day. And so this is just one document um, of many out there in the world of Catholic social teaching. And... Yeah, it also helps us understand where the church stands, what the priorities of the church are too. And that helps inform my decisions as well. So if you're wondering what can I do to learn more about Catholic social teaching, about Rerum Navarum, I say just get your hands dirty if you can. And when things get confusing, just Google Catholic social teaching go to YouTube. I mean, there's a ton out there. So uh, I was going to ask, like, how do I find, like, what if I don't want to read this one? I want to read another one, but I don't know what I want to read. Are there like some popular ones? Like, how do I find the ones that are the famous ones? And what are those? Or that's a great question. Um, I think don't mean to put you on the spot. He's yeah. like vigorously typing on his phone. <laughs> okay, uh, top encyclicals. Um, so, <laughs> Rerum Navarum is pretty well known. It's certainly the most well known from Leo the Thirteenth, and he wrote ninety of them. And there are about almost three hundred out there. Literally, what I've done before: you go to the Wikipedia page, papal encyclicals. You look at the titles, and you choose same that you choose one that seems interesting to you. There are some out there on the rosary maybe you have a great devotion to the rosary and you want to read about it It, you know there are some out there that are ultra specific there's some out there about um you know political or economic situations in in another country you know it Mm -hmm. there's a lot out there um there's a book i own uh published by word on fire which is bishop robert barron's production group and it's just i think it's called the catholic social teaching summary it includes a lot of different documents um that's that's good this is really tactical and i'm loving it just wanted to give that feedback thank you (laughs) yeah because i think you know it's so easy to that's it i have it with me right now oh my oh i thought it was gonna be like a book it looks like a bible Catholic Social Teaching Collection, forward by Bishop Robert Barron. And, yeah, so 
Rerum Navarum is in here, among other documents. John Paul II has some good ones. Um, so this is by Word on Fire. Yeah. This is just a Word on Fire book that they put out. Catholic Social Teaching Collection. Oh, that's awesome. Oh. Okay, perfect. Boom. Boom. Nice. That is. Sponsored. That's awesome. <laughs> I wish. Yeah. Okay, I actually like want to buy that now because you I borrow it. Well, I don't know if I could read. Like, I would. I need to get my own. Okay. It'd probably take me years oh, to read okay. it. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. <laughs> Took me a while to read Rerum Navarum. I mean, now there's a whole book of these. Like, it's gonna take me forever. Yeah. But no, it's that's good, good stuff. And do you ever like pray with these, or when do you? I will I read this sort of stuff in Eucharistic Adoration. Um, so I'm going to answer your question. Yes, that technically yeah. counts. Um, in terms of my own prayer life, it's I don't know if it's necessarily my style to like pray with a document like Ram Navarum necessarily, but sometimes I just want to go be with Jesus and I'll bring Catholic Social Teaching Collection. Yeah. <laughs> I'll read it there. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it's good to know that there's just, I mean, there's so many encyclicals and things that have been written about, you know, issues that are going on and specific topics. And so if there's like a specific topic Mm -hmm. that you're really interested in or maybe you're questioning or you just don't understand why the church says a certain thing or, you know, believes a certain thing, like just reading more about it could, um, could be really helpful too. So I think that's really helpful. Yeah, and to go back to the beginning when we were talking about Alpha, when you're like, oh, you have these questions, like why does the church teach this or that? Like Alpha is a great way to go and discuss those things, but from what I've found, and there are things that I've questioned, like why does the church teach that? She always has a good answer. Every time I've looked up, you know, why does the church teach what she does about X? The internet can can be your friend and it can help guide you and give give you an informed answer. And so sometimes the, the teachings are confusing and I give the church the benefit of the doubt. It's like, I know the church is a good thing. I'm sure she has a good reason to teach this. It's up to me to go find that out. And one way to do that is to read writings from popes. Yeah, I really like that. Okay, and then maybe just to wrap up, is there... It is lightning outside. Yeah, that just lit up the whole room. Oh, my gosh. That was kind of crazy. Okay, we need to wrap up immediately. (laughs) (laughs) Got to go take cover. (laughs) Shelter in place. Okay, so if there was just one takeaway or something that we've talked about today from the document, from anything... Just something to keep... just your own career experience. Departing thoughts. What would you... What do you want to leave with? What do you want to leave everyone with? Um, I think I would leave folks with the fact that being an employee, working and supporting yourself, your family, your community, these are all good things. These are the things that the church wants you to do. And you are further, you have the opportunity to expand God's kingdom through this in both the way that you speak and and the way that you act and we need to be careful about the way that we act all the time including in the workplace so continue to act ethically at work as i'm sure we all do uh and 
continue to grow the kingdom of God through your work and continue to learn about what the church says about work. Love that. Love it. All right. Well, I think we can go ahead and wrap up then. Thank you so much, Eric, for joining us on the podcast. This was so much fun. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. This yeah. has been a long time coming. You guys, I know. You We've guys been talking about it for a while. Since, like, January. We did, and or we didn't know January. where we wanted to place you in the order. So mm-hmm. I guess you just last guest. Wow. <laughs> last guest, best guest. Wow. Thank you. Season yes. two has been great. Yeah. yeah. Can't yeah. wait for season three. Amazing. But you have one more episode, right? Yeah. One more. Yep. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back next week for our last episode of season two. I'm getting sad already. I know. Uh, To mourn. It flew by. It really did, actually. It's already like almost summer. It's been months, though. Like we've been doing that since like we've been recording every week since like since January. January. Wow. Yeah. Enjoy your time off. Yeah. That's in the document. Time yeah. Off. yeah, and I mean, so we got a lot in the works this summer. Yeah. We're going to be, we got some exciting things coming up. So yeah, we're, we're not going to be completely taking the time off. We just won't be recording. So yeah, stay tuned. Exciting right. things in the works. Yay. So, all right. Well, we'll talk to you all next week. Thanks for listening. All right. Bye. Bye Thanks for listening to the Corporate Catholic Podcast. Give us a rating and follow us on social media at Corporate Catholic Pod.